the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook Network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come on. Come and join us in the chat. Uh, It is a Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and it is the continuation of the Bonanza Today, we are going to get you set with all of our what to know, best bets, the pool plays first for the games on December 27th. That is the Camellia Bowl, the First Responder Bowl, the Birmingham Bowl, and the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. And also Wednesday, December 28th, that is the Military Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, and the Texas Bowl. We have finally hit the point, Tom, where we've got a large set of Uh, Every single day, three to four bowl games, pretty much all the way out. And yes, as we continue, we'll do more Bowl Nanza on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, our college football playoff preview, best bets, locks, and the like. Also, Tom, if if you've got time, I I figured we could do a couple things. I figured we could maybe hand out some Paramount Plus uh, 30-day free trials. Does that sound good? I don't know. I don't know if the listeners deserve it, honestly. Mm. The only way that you can deserve it is to smash that like. So go ahead and let's get those likes up. We might hand out some Paramount Plus free trials. Also, that we've got some quarterback action in the transfer portal. Keaton Slovis to BYU, DJU, DJ Uyunglele to Oregon State. Uh, before we get out of there, we will touch on that. But I wanted to get people set with what they need to know, uh, which is in the immediate future, which is these bowl best bets. Uh, first of all, we you know, gave some appropriate time to the most, uh, again, shout out to the Sickos committee, but the most sicko of all the Sicko bowl games where I hope the Sickos committee has like nine spots on press row at Ford Field. Any last minute thoughts on Bowling Green and New Mexico State set to kick off here in just a couple hours? Same as last week. Both of these teams stink. Neither one of them deserve to be favored. So bet the underdog. I'm taking New Mexico State plus three and a half. 
All right, and that is the only bowl game of today. But on Tuesday, things get started at noon Eastern time with the Camellia Bowl from Montgomery. It's Georgia Southern and Buffalo. Right now, we're looking at Georgia Southern minus four and a half over under of 67. That means that if you were among the the many who maybe wanted to jump on Georgia Southern early, I think you and I broke this game down on CBS Sports HQ before, and we were probably both on the Georgia Southern side. Mm-hmm. Then. That's that's probably where this is headed. So we were at three, three and a half uh, when this thing opened. As we sit here about uh, 25 hours away from kickoff, I see it's danced out to about four and a half or so. What What is your best bet on this game, and do you think there's still value? Is there any point where you would say stay away from taking the Eagles? Uh, I would say it's probably there now. I feel like four and a half is exactly where I have it. So. Mm-hmm. I, it, I think the value for all of that is gone. I still think there is some value on the under, but not a whole lot. So this is this is probably going to be a live bet game, if anything. But I would rather be on Georgia Southern minus four and a half than Buffalo at this point. But again, it's there's there's not a whole lot of wiggle room anywhere with these numbers where they're at right now. Like if the total gets any higher, which I don't think it will, I would love the under because it started at 67. It's down to 66 and a half most places. I think that's probably where it's going to settle. So, yeah. I I still say you take Georgia Southern. Um, you've got, without a doubt, and like by a large margin, the better quarterback with Georgia Southern quarterback Kyle Van Treese. Uh, dude is ridiculously productive and has been very good. This Georgia Southern offense has been very good. I think that's one of the reasons why you uh, have that high total. And in like the most... Um, you know, as I've said many times here on the Bonanza, my one of my many great faults in trying to break these down is to take uh, late season uh, too much into consideration to consider how a team finished when making my uh, my final handicap. But good gravy, Buffalo, come on, we you rescheduled against Akron mm. at the very very end of the season, and you almost didn't get it done, mm-hmm. like. There's not really a ball don't lie for these kind of situations, but there is part of me that's like, okay, so if Buffalo nearly let this thing slip away against the Zips in a rescheduled game on conference championship Saturday, are are we thinking that this Buffalo team is all of a sudden going to find a new spark against a very good Georgia? Like, excuse me, maybe very good's too much. I think Georgia Southern has been a good football team. I. I think that they have been a good football team. I think Clay Helton's done a good job with this group. Uh, so I'm I'm on Georgia Southern. I, it, you, we've gotten on the other side of four. I still say you lay those points, uh, and and you assume that Georgia Southern's going to be able to win this game by a touchdown. Uh, one one yeah. last thought. Yeah. Do we know how long Buffalo's been in Montgomery? Because oh, like the weather in Buffalo over the weekend, like I don't know if you saw it. Like we had it on our CBS Sports social feeds, but like. When the Buffalo Bills got home from Chicago for their game against the Bears on Saturday, their cars were literally, and I mean literally in the way that literally is meant, like it actually happened, were buried under snow. Like they had to dig their cars out from under mounds of snow. Like travel conditions were terrible. So it's like unless they got out of Buffalo before that hit, this might be a situation where they just got in. So you never know. So on Tuesday, uh, we are playing outside in Montgomery. We're playing outside in Dallas. We're playing outside in Birmingham in a baseball field in Phoenix. Chase Field's got a roof, right? Yes. Okay. Um, those three Southern or you know Texas-based games, 
like, hey, listen, we're so excited. We're going to take you uh, to where it's warm. It ain't going to be warm. No. Like, <laughs> it is slightly uh, warmer than it was in some of these places over the weekend, but I, we're still going to be dealing with a not so comfortable condition. So maybe if you want to go with a chilly under, I wouldn't hate that as well. I think we'll be sitting probably somewhere around 40 degrees um, in Montgomery for that game. Again, that is noon Eastern time for the Camellia Bowl. Uh, the next game on deck is the, the first responder bowl. And for this one, we're going to be in SMU Stadium. You know, TCU Stadium gets a bowl game. The Armed Forces Bowl, SMU Stadium gets a bowl game. And this is Memphis against Utah State. Memphis currently favored by 7.5 over under of 60.5. Um, Tom, Utah State is a very different team when... Mm -hmm. Cooper Legault plays. That's the hit that they love so much. I what what, what do you make of the uh, the Aggies as we're starting to handicap their chances here in in this game? I think the Aggies are a valuable play in this spot because I think that when you look at the power ratings for teams, they don't really adjust as much for you know when you get to like a Mountain West team like Utah State, they're not really paying the most attention to how the teams are performing under certain quarterbacks. And Utah State has been a much better team when Legault plays specifically on offense where they're not very good overall, but they actually have a little bit, you know, they're a little more dangerous and he's playing in this game. So when you look at the power ratings, yeah, Memphis is like a touchdown favorite. I don't think Memphis is a touchdown better than Utah state. Now that said, Memphis has been that team for me all year where when I'm on it, they don't cover when I'm against it, they cover. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're making this play. But I think Utah State is a really good play here, too, because, like, where they are, their weakness defensively is stopping the run. Memphis doesn't run the ball well. Mm -hmm. So it's like what Memphis is trying to do on offense plays to Utah State's strengths defensively. The Utah State offense is probably better than the overall numbers suggest. I think there's good value on the Aggies here. And again, I just I have not been a big believer in this Memphis team all season long. I think it's pretty mediocre. So for it to be getting favored by over a touchdown in a bowl game, I'm very interested in fading that. Yeah. And how much value do you put in a team that lost a lot of close games? You know, because that's one of those things where I think in terms of, you know, point differential, you know, success rate, different ways that you can try to model out something predictive to figure out what a team's going to be. But at some point you lost all those mm -hmm. close games. You had opportunities to win uh, in those one score games against SMU, one score game against UCF, only a 10 point loss at Tulane, a crazy game uh, in extra time against ECU, one point loss to Houston. There were uh, a lot of games that you could argue ball bounces a little bit differently. Memphis is a eight, nine win team, but also there is the argument that they're just, they're a fine football team because if they were more than a fine football team, then maybe they would have come up with some of those plays. I, this is my uh, Utah state note. Utah state was a underdog in the LA bowl last mm -hmm. year against Oregon State and might have been an underdog by 10 points or so. And Blake Anderson had them boys ready to play. Different Utah State team. They were, you know, 10-win team, conference champs and the like. This group, six and six, you know, not as, not anywhere close to uh, where they stood in comparison to their peers in the Mountain West. But it, Blake Anderson does not have a, a really long track record but at least recently with this Utah State program, plus value bowl coach, in my opinion. So give me Blake Anderson plus the seven and a hook 
coaching advantage is my deal breaker right there. You do anything with that total? 60 and a half? No. I mean, I lean slightly over, but it's very, 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 very slightly. Yeah, you're not going to catch me betting over 60 and a half cold Dallas SMU stadium. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Uh, then we move. So that's uh, our first two games of the day, 12 o'clock for the Camellia Bowl, 3.15 p.m. Eastern time for Memphis and Utah State, 6.45 p.m. Eastern time in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a game that if everything was full strength, I might be a little bit more excited for. But there's some interesting wrinkles because we got ECU, we've got Coastal Carolina, Greenville, North Carolina, Conway, South Carolina, separated by about three and a half hours of coastal road across North and South Carolina. We've got two great quarterbacks. And the thing that is the most interesting about this is that Grayson McCall, at the three-time Sunbelt Player of the Year, first player ever to win that award three times in a career, his name is in the transfer portal. But according to this, like as of December 22nd, this is the very last information I got. I think Grayson McCall is playing in this bowl game. No, he's uh, not. Has he opted out? I don't. How is he going to play in the game? But he's in the portal. You, when you're in the portal, you can, you can still go back. I don't think he's playing in this game. Last, last update I got. Oh, it is. Yeah. No, they're saying he is. Yeah. Wow. Yes, I told you, man. I was like, all right, let's really dig deep on this one because I don't want to be out here just assuming, because assuming that he's not in this game would have you jumping all over ECU as a touchdown favorite. And that's where I think the critical error might be because, and and I I don't think Josiah Stewart is playing in this game. He was a star defensive player, you know, pass rusher. He's already committed uh, to Michigan. Does that sound right? Yeah, I forgot. Jo- Josiah Stewart's yes. already made his commitment. I do not think that he is uh, going to play in this game. But again, un- unless something changes uh, in the next twenty four, you know, twenty eight hours or so, the mo- the last update we got before the holiday weekend was that Grayson McCall name in the transfer portal planning to play in this game. So here is hello. here's the wording from the post and courier. Okay. It says Stags will have the talents of star quarterback Grayson McCall at his at his disposal for likely one final time. <laughs> so they're saying he's playing, but it's likely. So even that, it's not even a fully for sure he's definitely playing. Would you make a w- would you place a bet on this game? Um trying to attack it one way or the other. Because if we get a last minute, he's not playing in this game. You got to imagine ECU is just going to get blind hammered by a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. if they announce that he is, then maybe we start to see this thing tick the other way. Would you snap up some coastal plus seven right now to try and and get ahead of that? No, I'll take the over. Oh, because then you've got Holt Nailers against Grayson McCall. And then that's just going to be touchdowns all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, Holt Nailers is the name of the ECU quarterback who, as I was digging through all the notes, that dude has rewritten the, not just ECU record books, but the American athletic conference record books for career numbers, career passing yards, career total touch, no career, uh, total yards, career passing touchdowns. And with one rushing or passing touchdown, 
He ties Desmond Ritter for the AAC total touchdowns rank across a career. And with two touchdowns, which again, over under of 64 and a half, I'm going to assume Holt Naylor's might get two touchdowns. Looks like he's going to walk away with all of it. So in terms of total yards, total touchdowns, passing yards, attempts, completions, it's ridiculous. He's got all the school records. He's got all the conference records. uh, And it looks like he'll be able to add that last one on here if ECU lives up to it. Now, it's not just a Holt Naylor's offense. They've got a pretty good ground game as well. But you mentioned the defenses for both these groups. So right now, what what would be your best bet for this game? I, I... It's lost a lot of the value, but like the, this originally opened at 59 and a half and it's up to like 64, 65 at most places now. But I still like the over because, I mean, the reason the total's climbing is obviously because of the Grayson McCall thing, which everybody's now expecting him to play. But for me, what I look for a lot when I'm trying to find an over, and you know I don't really go looking for them, but I do find them, is I look for teams that are terrible on third and fourth down defensively. Both East Carolina and Coastal Carolina have been terrible on third and fourth down defensively. Offensively, they've both been pretty good. So you've got two offenses that are good in those situations going against two defenses that are bad in those situations. That typically leads to a whole lot of not stops, like getting into scoring position. And even you don't always finish with touchdowns, you're at least getting points on the board more often than not, which is what you need for an over to cash. And you look at these teams... They're not the most efficient at finishing drives, but they're efficient enough. And against these defenses, which are terrible at keeping teams out of the end zone at the end of a drive or keeping points off the board, I tend to lean like offense is going to be a, a average offense is going to be better than a bad defense. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I think that the over is probably the best play here, especially if McCall is playing, because I do think that this could turn into a silly kind of tennis match shootout. So that's where I'm going to be. As far as the spread, I think if it's still at a touchdown, if it gets to seven where you are, I would take ECU even if McCall is playing. But if you've got a seven and a half, you go coastal. Mm, yeah, if I'm having if I have to pick a side for like a pool. If it's seven and a half, take coastal. If it's seven, take ECU. I mean, our our friend uh two two notes from our friend Robbie Cowan of the punt cast. Uh number one, ECU is a team that you love to take as a dog. Yes. Trusting them to cover a seven and a whole hook is a unique proposition. Number two, uh, Robbie also noted that there's a lot of North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia on both of these rosters. So even though we've got like interim coach and who's going to be playing quarterback for Coastal Carolina, once pads start to pop, we might have some personal pride on the line between some of these guys that might be a little familiar with each other. We Again, could like, see some extracurriculars. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, reason for motivation if you're Coastal Carolina where you might have otherwise been thinking that you're going to check it out because Tim Beck's taking over the program, Jamie Chadwell's gone. Very much feels like, you know, we had this three-year run. It's been incredible, 31 wins over three years, but this is going to be the end of a chapter for Coastal Carolina. But I think once they get out there and they start hitting in Birmingham, I think it'll be a very, very fun competitive game. I'm on Coastal as long as you've got seven or more. If for some reason this thing gets under seven, then I, I think that I would go ECU uh, as well. All right, and then the nightcap on Tuesday out in Chase Field, Pitchers Park or Hitters Park? Well, it used to be mostly a Hitters Park. They've they've added some like humidor type of stuff to deaden the ball a little bit, so it's becoming more of a Pitchers Park, but I would still say it leans Hitters. 
Hitters Park. So if you do want to get on that over in the Hitters Park, it is 43. Uh, Oklahoma State and Wisconsin. Oklahoma State is a three and a half point dog against the Badgers. And daggum, I mean, I know that we got, like, I, I do not need to know who is going to play quarterback for Oklahoma State. We don't think it's going to be Spencer Sanders. But Probably is it going to be, be Spencer Sanders? I don't think so. It might be yeah. Gunnar Gundy or Garrett Rangel. I don't. I don't, I don't need to know. It's Mike Gundy in a daggum bowl game. <laughs> that guy is a ticket cashing machine when it comes to the postseason. I Oklahoma State plus three and a hook against Wisconsin in transition. Nah, give me Mike Gundy plus all of those points. And if you want to go tackle the over under, I mean. That, that'd be a great sweat for late Tuesday night if you want to go under the 43. But uh, ultimately, my best bet, my strongest play, where I think you should go for the pool play, is the trend of Mike Gundy in a bowl game going up against the staff in transition. I like the three and a half. I would probably, yeah, I'll be on Oklahoma State on that side too. But my favorite bet in this game is actually the Wisconsin team total under. It's because the offense has been bad. It's not, it's that's part of it, but it's like obviously Graham Mertz has transferred. He's going to Florida. We do not know who the, who the starter is going to be. You know, like Chase Wolf seemed to be the backup under the old regime, but this is a completely new regime with an offensive coordinator. You know, it's, so it's, I don't know. It's, I don't know what this team is going to look like. I don't know how interested they are in this game mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know what i mean like there's a new coaching staff there's going to be new offense there's a whole lot of change coming to the roster to the to the style of play that they plan to do maybe they come out and they you know the, their hair on fire ready to play in this game against oklahoma state or maybe they just kind of whatever we're supposed to be here let's do it i just don't think wisconsin is going to be the most explosive offense i think that they're gonna you're gonna see braylon allen probably get 30 carries which mm-hmm could work out really well because he's a very talented and a very good player, but Oklahoma state defensively, like it's pretty decent against the run. And if it knows you're going to be running the ball, it's going to be even better against the run. So I just don't see the Badgers scoring a ton of points in this one. I like the complete game under as well, but that total has come down a bit. Like I got it when it opened at 49, I think it's down to like 44 now. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a lot of the value there is gone, but I, I like the Wisconsin team total under. I, I'm with you. I like Oklahoma State on the spread, but this is also another very hot live blog or live live blog live betting situation because I mean you're going to know within the first few minutes of how interested Wisconsin is in this game. So you might get some pretty sweet lines on Oklahoma State live at that point. Oh man, if we could get like a a distant, like maybe we know that Wisconsin is disinterested, but Oklahoma State gives up a scoop and score, and you can get pokes plus ten or something bananas like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't ne- never forget what Oklahoma State did in that. Uh, it was a Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. Go down early and then come charging back with your hair on fire. And that could also be like you know, regardless of Wisconsin's interest, like you know with an interim coaching staff getting ready for new staff, they've probably been really working a lot on that first series of this, of the game. If Wisconsin gets a touchdown that first series, Oh my God, I'm so hammering Oklahoma state on the live line after that. Yeah, that's the play. That's a hundred percent. The play right there coming up on the other side. That is it for by the 10, 15 PM Eastern time kickoff coming up on the other side. We turn our attention to Wednesday's bowl action, UCF, Duke, Arkansas, Kansas, 
Oregon, North Carolina, and Texas Tech against the Lane Train and Ole Miss. It is all of your December 29th bowls, plus notes from the transfer portal. Next. We got Top Gun Maverick on Paramount Plus now? Mm -hmm. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. Yes, yes, I have seen it. It's so good. (sighs) It's exactly what you want it to be. In that case, we need to uh, make sure that you smash that like right now because we get these likes up. That means we're giving away some Paramount Plus 30-day free trials. That's enough for you to watch Top Gun Maverick 30 times. And it's free. It's a free trial for Paramount Plus Premium. So uh, make sure you go ahead and like that. We'll hand out some free trials. Jordan, let me know uh, in the chat how many you want to give out while we get those likes up. Turn in our attention uh, to Wednesday's bowl action. It starts Wednesday afternoon in Annapolis in the Military Bowl, Duke and UCF. The Blue Devils favored by three and a half over under of 62 and a half. Um, so, John John Rice Plumley is coming back to UCF. We think he's playing in this game. Is he healthy enough to? Mikey Keene's gone. We know that right now. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be um, Plumley. I'm expecting to be the starting quarterback here. Now, Duke, of course, fantastic season in year one under Mike Elko uh, to be back in the in the bowl game, to be eight and four. The, the vibes around Blue Devils football are tremendous. Riley Leonard, if you haven't watched him, is a very, very good quarterback. But all that positivity, you know, laid out there, doesn't Duke minus three and a half make you scratch your head just a little bit? Um, yeah, but I also get it in that, like, Duke defensively, its weakness is stopping the pass. Not really something you have to worry about against UCF, who doesn't throw the ball very well. It's more of a running team, and Duke defensively has been very good against the run. So I, I think that's what it comes down to, and defensively. Like UCF's defense for the nearly the entire season was pretty good. And then it kind of fell off a cliff, I would think. Not fell off a cliff entirely, but it, it got worse towards the end of the year. I'm wondering if there's just I, I I think if you're looking at motivation, you'd have to give Duke the edge there because yes. it's a bowl game for Duke. It's first year for a head coach. So like there, you know that they're gonna take the game seriously. I don't really like taking Duke minus three and a half, but I get it. I would be on UCF plus the three and a half if I'm betting the spread. But more than anything, what's the total at now? Sixty-two yeah. and a half over. I like the I like the over. Yeah, that's that's where I'm going right here. And and yes, there is some like key number factor here where it's like sixty-two and a half. I'm like just south of sixty-three. That that might be where you find the most value because. I feel like UCF, even if they are just running the ball, they're they're going to be able to hit some. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able plays, to hit some yeah. explosive plays uh, against Duke. They, I mean, you think about the uh, you know the Gus Malzahn offense, which by the way, Chip Lindsey, remember, off to North Carolina. But you think about that Gus Malzahn offense. So much of it is you know just trying to set it up so that they can get. Um, the the one block, the one mismatch, and then spring it what looks like a routine play for forty yards, and I I could see Duke, you know, getting a little bit leaky and allowing some of those plays. So I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. I like the over there. Um, and if it's if it all right, so if you've got a pool, because then this open is UCF. This is like a pick'em to open. Yeah, if you've got it at pick'em. In your pool, take Duke. 
without a doubt. Hmm. I, I think this is kind of a coin flip, honestly. If you've got it at three and a half, take UCF. Take UCF. Ugh. I, but, but like another thing for the over too, it's like Mike Elko's done a very good job in his first season, like a remarkably good job. But the one thing that they haven't solved yet is kind of getting off the field and ending drives with only field goals. Like mm-hmm. teams that typically get into scoring position on Duke are finishing drives. That is the one area I think they're going to probably focus on more than anything in the offseason and improving. Because when you look at them elsewhere, like there's obviously against the past they've struggled, but I think that's a talent level more than, you know, scheme kind of thing. But just getting off the field is the one thing I think that they've really struggled at. And that's the one thing if they improve, like this is a team that once again next year, because like the ACC was down and Duke took advantage of that this year. But I still think this is a team that next season is going to be pretty good. Oh, when you're stacking up teams in the ACC, you very quickly jump Duke ahead of Virginia, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, um, yeah, like I don't think I think Miami is going to be better than Duke next year, which wasn't the case this year. But I still think Duke is going to be a solid bowl team next season. Yeah, Duke Duke is a bowl team next season, and at worst, the ninth or tenth best team in the fourteen team ACC as it's made at like very worst. Yeah, and I think that you are splitting hairs and making arguments between how Duke stacks up against some of those other five or six teams. You know, how Duke stacks up against Syracuse is a legitimate debate as you're trying to put together your predicted order of finish going into next season. Again, remember, divisions, farewell, my friend. It's uh, it's all stack them up 1 through 14 going into 2023. All right. Tom says coin flip. I say Duke. We both say touchdowns in Annapolis. All right. We're, listen, there was St. Elves had leftover toys. I'm not even going to check the amount of likes on the video. All you need to do is be watching live right now. Make sure you follow in the Cover 3 podcast and drop your Twitter handle in the chat. We're just going to start giving them away. We're just, we're just going to start giving them away. All these Paramount Plus free trials, let's say 10 of them. 10. We might do All more, right. but we'll start at 10. 10 Paramount Plus free trials. Make sure you are following the Cover 3 podcast on Twitter and put your Twitter handle in the chat. That game on Wednesday, uh, 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on ESPN. The next game in the lineup, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. We go to Memphis for the Liberty Bowl. It's Arkansas against Kansas. The Razorbacks favored by three. And, buddy, we, we got another this whole day. Actually, Wednesday, December 28th might be the most touchdowns that we see in yes. any single day of the bowl season. And we've got more tutties to come uh, as we break this down. Uh, this over-under of 69. Um, where, what's, what's making you laugh? I'm just the totals for the Wednesday games. Like yeah. we talked about UCF Duke. That's at 62 and a half. This one's at 69. The next game we're talking about is in the seventies. And the last game we'll be talking about is in the seventies. It's going to have some four and a half hour bowl games on Wednesday. So strap in and get ready. Hey, I'm give it to me. I'm ready. <laughs> My body is ready. All right. Uh, Arkansas, Kansas, which way are you going with this? It hurts, but I got to go with Arkansas. Yep. Kansas did so much for us, but KJ Jefferson has said he's playing in the bowl game. 
And KJ Jefferson has said he's back for 2023. And Arkansas fans are going to travel to the Liberty Bowl. Kansas fans probably too. I mean, there's going to yeah. be like, you know, a lot of excitement for being back in the bowl game that this, this feels like Arkansas minus three the whole way. Yeah. Like I'm sure Kansas fans will travel for this game, but the trip to Memphis for Arkansas fans, is a pretty easy one. And yeah, I, I feel like this is going to be a mostly kind of home game atmosphere for the, for the hogs, but I just, as good as Kansas was and as kind of mediocre as Arkansas was for the most part in the SEC this year, I just, I don't think the Jayhawks are going to have it. Like they're going to be able to score on this team. I don't know if they'll be able to score enough for me to take the over, but because again, it's pretty high, but I don't think they're going to get many stops. Cause like that was the thing that really kind of cratered for Kansas. Like their defense was never good during the regular season, even when they were winning games, but it just kind of really fell apart over the second half of the season. So I think Arkansas is going to probably get at least 40 in this one. Is Kansas able to get up to 40 itself? I don't know, but I think Arkansas is the play if you're betting the spread. Yeah. Arkansas, uh, just it it just feels like you're talking yourself into Kansas being able to recapture something that it just hasn't had a lot coming down the stretch. Now, one thing to question, though, is like, you know, what Arkansas does defensively, which they're not great at, but they were at least okay-ish at, was, you know, they were very much bend but don't break. Like, dropping Limit eight, the explosive dropping plays. Eight, yeah. yeah, and then in the red zone, tighten up and at least hold you to a field goal. And they weren't even that good at that. But Barry Odom's gone. So maybe there's a little more wiggle room in that department for Kansas, and maybe that helps them keep it close. That game, uh, again, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on ESPN. Uh, and then, listen, we get ourselves some split-screen action because we can have the end of the Liberty Bowl going on on one screen, which will then go right into the beginning of the Texas Bowl. So that can be one. Sadly, I don't think we have Petros Fest here. I no. think we'll be sitting with uh, with Gus, Joel, and Jenny. The All-American Girl. And it's not going to be the world-famous Ohio State Buckeyes, we get to them on Thursday's show. Uh, but it, it is Oregon and North Carolina in the Holiday Bowl out in San Diego. We are in Petco Park, the home of the Padres. And Oregon is a 14.5-point favorite over under, as you mentioned earlier, of 74. A couple quarterbacks that have both announced that they are going to be back for their team in 2023. Bo Nix says he's going to come back for another year. And Drake May says all that NIL talk, all that portal talk was all just rumors. Sure. Maybe some people were texting his high school coach, just trying to <laughs> sniff around, see what kind of chance they might've had. But Drake May uh, first with a, a social media post. And then in uh, some, a story on ESPN talking to Pete Thamel about the whole situation. He's back now. We've got a lot of North Carolina defensive players who are into the transfer portal and some that are not going to be playing in this bowl game. Uh, Josh Downs, the star wide receiver, is going to be off to the NFL draft. But Drake May is still there, which is why we still see this over-under of 74. So Oregon was the better team than North Carolina. They both have nine wins on the season, but North Carolina's defense and also the competition, I would argue, allow me to comfortably say that Oregon was the better team this season. Mm -hmm. Is it worth 14 and a half points, Tom? No, 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Not in this game. First of all, we are taking the over on principle because it's North Carolina. Just, it's North Carolina. In Oregon. Also, it's Oregon. Like it's at <laughs> 75 or whatever right now. And I just, that's about five points too low because you mentioned like North Carolina, you know, Josh Downs has opted out. Yeah. And so is like 75% of their secondary. Now think of how bad the secondary was during the regular season. And then think about how now they're going to have backups. And then on the other side, like Oregon's secondary has been terrible all season long, but it had one pretty good player in Christian Gonzalez, who's probably going to be like a first couple rounds NFL draft pick. He's opted out. So they're missing their best corner too. They've had a, some of their depth pieces on defense have entered the transfer portal as well. So, like these are two defenses that are going to be very much skeleton crews. Take the over, take North Carolina, because I don't see either team getting enough stops to pull away by two touchdowns unless there are a just incredibly massive like fumble mass turnover numbers. I just don't think either team, one of these teams is capable of pulling far away from the other. Yeah, I'm I'm not at all going to be in a position of believing that Oregon can close the back door when all season long we have talked about Oregon's pass defense as a reason that you cannot trust Oregon. And while it wasn't specifically the pass defense, do we remember the way that defense fell apart against Oregon State in the final game of the regular season? Uh, there is no way I can trust the Ducks with 14 and a half points. Uh, North Carolina is the play. The over is the play. This thing is going to have me up so late on a school night. <laughs> Do you have the Texas Bowl? Uh, no. I, you know, when we drafted bowls, I don't want to give away my strategy, but I kind of honed in on early and afternoon games. Yeah. I, I decided I'd jump on this one because I, the entertainment would be there. It's, you know, it's North Carolina, so you got to at least feel like you're going to talk about it with your friends. So I'm, I, I, I drafted it. I'll be on duty for this one. If anything crazy happens or needs to be written from the Holiday Bowl, it'll be your boy. And uh, we'll just be a little sleepy at daycare drop-off. On, yeah, uh, on I'll Thursday. be watching it. I just don't want to have to be responsible to write it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's that'll that'll be me. I'll take I'll I'll handle that for uh for everybody uh, on the on the squad. So yeah, North Carolina and the over, and we just we don't look back. We just we settle in for touchdowns and uh, and what is probably going to be at least once in this game we are going to have a thirty-five point quarter where it's just at ping pongs back and forth with something crazy. So uh, that, that one is one of the easiest picks to make of the day. Finally, uh, again, as I mentioned, that'll be 8 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. Then th that will overlap with the very end of the Liberty Bowl, which then goes into the beginning of the Texas Bowl. We are in the home of the Houston Texans, NRG Stadium. 9 p.m. Eastern time kick. It is Texas Tech against Ole Miss. Ole Miss favored by three and a half. And like you mentioned, another over-under with a seven at the beginning of it, over-under of 70. Not a great finish to the season for the Rebs, though they uh, are not undergoing a coaching transition, which is something that I think a lot of Ole Miss fans might have feared or wondered at one time. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins got all the accolades he, that he was very much deserving of. you got to imagine that we're going to see a, a strong performance from him in this game against the Texas Tech defense that – uh, you know, ran a little hot and cold, played well against some good running backs, also gave up a bunch of yards at times. Texas Tech, famous, the thorn in the side of every Big 12 team. So, Tom, 
Is Texas Tech going to be the thorn in the side of Ole Miss here in this spot trying to reverse a losing streak? Yeah, not enough to cover, but they will be enough of a pain in the butt to make the under the easiest play of the bowl season. I this, like that. This total should not be this high. I don't understand why the total is this high. I don't th- think either one of these teams are like, you look at the other games we've just talked about for this day, and I feel like this is a reputation more than a reality. Like, this is not, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's Texas Tech. This is not Ole Miss from last year. Like, they do run the ball a lot, but they're not scoring 50 points per game. So I just, I don't understand why this total is that high. I think this is probably should be in the mid-50s. So I'm getting like two touchdowns. Ole Miss has not put up 35 points in a bowl game since beating Auburn in the middle of October. Mm -hmm. They run the football. So, you know, we've talked a lot about that in terms of breaking down Ole Miss's while the, because I think that the answer to your question is that some of it has to do with pace, right? Yeah. Like you're just taking the number of plays that Ole Miss has run and Ole Miss, you know, does operate with a lot of pace. They snap the ball fast, but they're also running the football, and if they only get stopped for three yards running the football, that clock continues to move. Texas Tech, who's our Texas Tech quarterback for this game? I think it'll still be because uh, Smith transferred to Houston, so it's going right. to be um, what the Shuck Tyler Shuck Tyler Shuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I I I, can't, I like that underplay. I'm going to go Ole Miss. Um, very very basic. I believe that Ole Miss is the better team. And I think that as Lane Kiffin, forever the showman, understands uh, aesthetics. And I believe that he is going to go into this game knowing that finishing not only on a losing streak, but then also losing the bowl game just wouldn't sit well for a lot of months, especially when you signed a fat new contract. So it would... It'd be good for aesthetics. It'd be good for the way that things just kind of look if uh, if Lane Kiffin is able to go out there and get him a win. So I'm going to go. I like that underplay a whole lot. If you're in a bowl pool, uh, I think that I would tell you to go Ole Miss. You agree? Yeah, oh, yeah. I think yeah. Ole Miss is the better team here. Yeah. Ole Miss uh, in the bowl pool. Or, and if you want to lay the points, don't hate that. Uh, an underplay recommendation from Tom Fornelli. Couple of minutes left here. Uh, again, we've got some transfer portal action as we have a former Pitt, former USC and Pitt quarterback, uh, Keen Slovis, announcing that he will transfer to BYU. More significant than what where my mind went as we first saw the news because BYU will be in the Big 12 next year. So Keen Slovis uh, is going to be leading the Cougars into the Big 12 era uh, and also. DJ Uyunglele commits to Oregon State. Let's start with DJU because we had uh, first a sort of you know DJU to Oregon thought, and then all of a sudden Bo Nix says he's coming back. There was a DJU to UCLA thought, including one that I thought would really work out, and Chip Kelly ends up bringing on former Kent State quarterback Colin Schley. And Dante Moore. And Dante Moore, five-star quarterback, signs in the class. There was maybe even a Washington thought. Well, Michael Penix is coming back. So we're like, we're scratching off all these West Coast teams for the former top player from the state of California uh, to, to go to after leaving Clemson. He lands at Oregon State. What's your expectation for the ability for A, 
DJU to find uh, some sort of renewal of his potential at Oregon State and B, for Oregon State to be able to maximize what DJU can do? I think this is a very interesting landing spot. I think it could be proved to be a very beneficial landing spot for DJU because, I mean, I this, I know this is really odd to say about a Clemson program that has had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence in recent years, but I just think that that offense is more quarterback-friendly at Oregon State right now than the Clemson offense is, or at least, if not quarterback-friendly, more suited or more bit more able to adapt to its quarterback strengths. And I feel like Clemson offensively struggled the last few years to adapt from having a Trevor Lawrence and a Deshaun Watson to a guy like DJU, who's just not the same player as they are. He's mm-hmm. a very talented guy, but it's you've got to run a different offense to really build their strengths. And I don't think Clemson did a good job of that. I think Jonathan Smith has shown an ability to do that. And I, so I think that going to Oregon State, where if you look at the Beavers this year, they won a bunch of games after losing their starting quarterback. And Ben Gulbertson comes in as a freshman. And no offense to the kid, he was doing everything he was, you know, possibly could. But he was the weak point of that Oregon State offense. And you watch that team every week and you said, man, if they get a quarterback, like they could be pretty, you know, they, they could still be pretty good again next year. DJ might be that quarterback. And look at what happened with Bo Nix. Bo Nix is at Auburn, kind of hitting his head up against the ceiling in the SEC of what he can be. He goes to Oregon, new offense, familiar face at the play caller, Kenny Dillingham. A little bit easier of a runway as far as what you're facing defensively week in and week out. And Bo Nix has kind of turned, you know, the perception of Bo Nix around. Now there's talk about him being, you know, a top pick in the NFL draft next year after he leaves school. Not the first round, but still a good draft pick. DJ kind of needs that fresh start. And I think Oregon State is going to be able to offer him that fresh start. I think now you look at the Pac-12, you know, we talked about the ACC being the conference of quarterbacks in 2022, and obviously that didn't work out very well. But 2023, the Pac-12 from a quarterback perspective, very interesting. Oh, yeah. And uh, Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner uh, right there at uh, at USC headlining that group. It's it. It is phenomenal. Here's what I think about Jonathan Smith and Oregon State across the last couple of seasons. That Jonathan Smith, of course, the former Oregon State quarterback, uh, who has you know tried to not only just be like an offensive guy. It really seems like he's got that full investment in, in the entire team that he wants to have. But I think about flexibility and versatility because he has had to debut across the multiple quarterbacks that they've had in the last couple of seasons, several different offenses and make tweaks along the way, mm-hmm. sometimes within the same game. And yet they have continued to be able to uh, f- field successful offenses, especially in the last two seasons. So when I've got a coach who is not going to try to force a quarterback into a system, but really mold around them, that that is where I think uh, DJ Uyunglele is going to be able to find uh, find a good landing space. But it's going to be um, it is going to be very interesting to see whether the change of scenery is going to be able to benefit him, like you said, uh, quite as much as Bo Nix, especially as we have them in the rivalry, in the same conference, uh, right there in the Pac-12. Any, any thoughts on Keaton Slovis to BYU? It's interesting to me that when you think back to Keaton Slovis when he first got that job at USC as a freshman after the JT Daniels injury, and he got up to a really good start. Graham Harrell was the offensive coordinator. Air raids going magnificently well. And BYU exposed first? him. Yeah, who was his yeah. first bad game against? BYU. BYU. <laughs> who has never really quite been the same since that game? 
Keaton Slovis. Where's Keaton Slovis playing? BYU. Maybe you can't beat him. Join him. I don't know. It's just, I I was really big on Slovis when he started at USC. He had but a shoulder injury of some type. His arm hasn't really ever been quite the same since. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see BYU with Jaron Hall entering the draft needs a quarterback. They've got somebody with plenty of veteran experience who will help them. He's got power five experience as they transition to the Big 12. It's just, I feel like it's a it's a good floor, very low ceiling kind of transfer for the Cougars. So it's interesting as we, you know, sit here uh, in, in Zach Wilson week. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, New York Jets, NFL Zach Wilson. But like Jaron Hall started as Oh, he's Zach Wilson's replacement. Oh, he's continuing the tradition of Zach Wilson. Is Jaron Hall going to get any like negative backlash from Zach Wilson flaming out? Or do you think that he is a strong enough NFL draft prospect on his own so that he can mostly avoid that? I I don't know if it'll be because of Zach Wilson, because honestly, when I look at Jaron Hall, I think he's a similar prospect to Zach Wilson as far as talent and ability. But I thought Zach Wilson was very overvalued and drafted coming off of a COVID year, which was a little strange. And it was in an offense that people weren't, it's just, I mean, if you think back to who BYU played that season, they didn't play anybody. Like he was throwing up against air for the most part. I just think that Jaron Hall, I think he's just as talented as Zach Wilson, but I don't think he's going to go with the number two overall pick because Zach Wilson never should have gone with the number two overall pick. Um, ESPN's Pete Thamel, I think. Um, I saw a report that before making the decision, Keaton Slovis was texting with Jaron Hall and trying to like get insight because his hope is that in the same way that Jaron Hall has now become an NFL draft prospect, that this BYU offense will send Keaton Slovis down the same road. We'll see, buddy. The schedule's getting tougher. There is no easy win in the Big 12, but if you can go in and have that same kind of production, then you too can be an NFL draft prospect. Again, we will be back Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, where we will roll through our next set of Bonanza breakdowns with our best bets and our pool plays and the like. So make sure that you subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast, youtube.com slash cover3, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you.